We are going to start today in Genesis chapter 50. We have a lot of scripture today that we're going to go through. Um, I appreciate your patience. I hope that you'll be prayerful as you listen to the Lord. There's a lot of information going to come at you today, so ask the Lord to help you discern the pieces that you need to take. Um, we're going to start a brand new series today, and so for the next few weeks, we're going to go through and do some stories of hope, and I hope that in those that time, you're going to find some refreshing, some encouragement, probably some stories you know, some you don't, but hopefully the Lord will really bless your heart as we make our way through these next few weeks. This would be a really good time to invite people. So if you have friends or neighbors or whatever, and just say, hey, come to church with me. Um, we're going to try to be very positive, uplifting, Jesus-centered and focused. And so be thinking even about those things. But let's start in the book of Genesis, chapter 50. And we're just going to start with one verse. Uh, Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20. And our story today is about Joseph. Most of you know the story very well. But hopefully the Lord will encourage you as we look through it together. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. All right. Uh, I want to tell you that I almost never alliterate. You know what alliteration is? That's using the same first letter for your outline. A lot of preachers that I know, they have three or four points, or some of them have even other set points are alliterated, and I about never do that. But today, it just seemed like it was natural, so here we go. We're going to look at abuse, accusation, and abandonment, and you thought it was going to be a positive message, right? <laughs> abuse, accusation, and abandonment. We live in a very dark world today. At least I feel that way. Maybe some of that's me getting older but there's just a lot of negativity, a lot of sadness, a lot of evil, even as we look overseas, right, and the things we're seeing happen, there's a lot of dark going around. But I hope that as we go our way through these next few weeks, that you will see the light again and be encouraged. And again, ask the Lord to speak to your heart today. So as we think about the story of Joseph, the first thing we want to look at a little bit today is about the abuse that he went through. Uh, this is from Andy Crouch, and he says, human beings can live 40 days without food, I don't know that I could, four days without water, and four minutes without air, but we cannot live for four seconds without what? Without hope, all right? So hope is going to be our key the next few weeks. If you guys know the story of Joseph, uh, you'll know that he was the favorite son. Do we have any favorite sons or daughters here today? I'm the favorite. All right. Isaiah raised his hand. You couldn't see it, but so you would know he's the favorite. That's why he gets picked on the most, right? Um, Joseph was definitely the favorite, and the brothers knew it, right? So from Jacob's favorite wife comes his favorite son. You guys know the coat of many colors. He got the special presents. Everybody else got rocks. I mean, that kind of thing, right? He was definitely favored in the household. Well, let's look at Genesis 37, and we're going to see Joseph begin to share some truth that comes into his life and see how the brothers react to that. Joseph, excuse me, Genesis 37, verse 5. So Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I have. Verse 7, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine 
and bow down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he has said. Look at verse 9. And he had another dream, and he told to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Okay, interesting. Well, Joseph here is actually speaking truthfully. Now, he's already at a hostile crowd, right? They don't like him already because he's favorite. But he is speaking the truth, and everything that happened in those dreams will come to pass. And let me be very clear this morning. Hear me out today. Please, please hear me out. Abuse is never justified, okay? But sometimes the troubles we are facing are a direct result of two different things. Please, let's, let's talk about this. I don't think we talk about this enough. Sometimes the trouble that comes into your life comes into your life because of you and me, right? And we need to own it. Sometimes it's our sin that is the problem. So we need to make sure that we understand that. Sometimes the troubles that come into our lives are a result of other people's sins. Okay, so here in Joseph's situation, the abuse that he is going through here with the ridicule, and in just a minute, some of the other news he's going to go through, it is not, in this case, due to his own sin. But here's another thing I want to be very clear about. If you are in any sort of abusive relationship, you need to make your way out of that abuse. It is not a Christian thing to just sit and to take abuse upon yourself. That's not what we're saying here today. But sometimes we still face abuse even when we try to make our way out, right? We've all been in those situations, I think. So Joseph here, again, is in a in kind of a tricky situation with his brothers and especially with his father. My thought was very interesting was in the very end of the paragraph, it said his father kept the matter in mind. So while he was still rebuking Joseph, he was still processing, right? Because he knew that God's hand was on Joseph. All right, well, let's go a little bit further. Genesis 37, verse 19. Oh, don't you love this? Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him, throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. The brothers hated Joseph so much, their desire was to end his life. That's an intense hate, right? Now, hopefully we won't face that kind of hate, but it does happen in places in our world, even today, as we study in our persecuted church, as we work our way through that in the year. There will be times when you will speak truthfully that people will be abusive to you. Are you hearing that today? When you bring the truth, Sometimes people will be abusive to you. And you may wonder where the Lord is in those situations. And what I want to encourage you today is remember that he has not left you alone. But I also again want to remind you that the sins of others can cause pain in the heart of their brother. When you sin today, it doesn't just affect you. Right? And Joseph here, his brother's sins will affect him 
as well. So we know how the story goes. Instead of killing him, they sell him as a slave and they tell his father that he had been killed. Real quickly down in verse 28. So when the Midianites, merchants came by, his brothers pulled up Joseph out of the sister and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Then they got Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a goat, they dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. And he recognized it and he said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. And Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Wow. That's pretty wicked, isn't it? Like the brothers, Reuben will speak up. He's like, yeah, I don't know if we want to murder him. He is our own blood if you read the rest of the scriptures. We'll just sell him. So they sell him to the Midianites. They're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. But even beyond that, what do they do for their father? They know this is the father's favorite son. And yet, they take the robe, they dip it in the goat's blood, and they say, well, you take a look at it, Dad. What do you think happened? That's just cruel, isn't it, right? And again, that's who they're there. Their hearts were so wicked because they hated the privilege of Joseph that they thought they were done with him. They thought that was over. Now, I want you to think about some things here with me. Um, if you commit to serving the Lord, you may find that on occasion some people may be cruel to you or seek to hurt you or to damage your reputation. What I want you to think about with me today is a comparison of Jesus and Joseph. Do you think Jesus knows anything about abuse? <laughs> when you start looking at the life of Jesus and the life of Joseph, you'll see there are so many parallels. Again, let's be clear, we don't tolerate abuse as some sort of Christian value. If somebody is abusing you, please seek help. But understand that if we really try to live a life of truth, along the way, there will be some who will try to stand against you. Even as we saw this last Wednesday night, if you make the case that the individual is not the master of the fate or the captain of their own soul, if you make the case there is a creator who has laid out what is best for our lives and whose plans are higher than our own, you will find confrontation in the follow-your-heart philosophy of this world. Because it's everywhere. And that's what we're going to be looking at in these coming Wednesdays. Is when you speak these truths, you're going to find confrontation. But what I want to encourage you again today is hope is alive even in abuse. Okay? Let's look at the next thing. Accusation. That was a really good quote from Thomas Merton. To hope is to risk what? Frustration. Anybody ever been frustrated? <laughs> to hope is to risk frustration. Therefore, make up your mind to do what? To risk. To risk frustration. This was so good when Michael did our healing as a choice. Like we had a whole chapter on risk, didn't we, right? To hope is to take that risk. Well, here's the thing. Joseph ends up, you know, being sold, but it actually starts out pretty well after that. Look down if you would in Genesis 39, if you've got your Bibles, or on the screen if you like. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 3, it seems like things are going to turn around. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So if you're in Joseph's situation, your brothers have hated you. They basically were going to leave you for dead. Then they found a better option, which was to sell you and betray you to your father. 
And then you finally get sold. You make your way to be a slave in the household of this man named Potiphar. And Potiphar notices your stature. The Bible says that Joseph was a handsome man. And he also was a very great manager, had those skills and abilities. And so Potiphar says, hey, I want you to run my household. Potiphar's a rich guy. Sounds pretty good, right? Joseph's probably thinking, hey. And that's how our lives go sometimes, right? Sometimes you get the decent job. You actually paid the bills this month, right? The tire didn't go flat just this week. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I can handle this. I think I'm doing okay. And Joseph, I'm sure in some of his position was like, hey, this is maybe how my life is going to go. This is not so bad. I can deal with this. But you guys know how the story goes, right? It kind of, again, it goes downhill in a pretty quick way. So let's go on down just a little bit in verse 17. The scripture says, then she told him, that is Potiphar, the story. So Potiphar's wife tells Potiphar this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were, were confined. You guys know the story of Potiphar's wife, right? And again, if you dig into the scripture, you'll find out this wasn't a one-time thing. On a daily basis, I don't know if I can do my Potiphar's wife voice, but you get the idea, right? Joseph! <laughs> right? Hey, this handsome young man, why don't you come over here with me? Come into my bedroom, come be with me. For a young, strong guy, and for someone who was of a higher station in life than he was, that could probably be very tempting for him, right? And every time, he rejected her. And finally, one day, she grabbed his coat, and he left. And I love what Joseph will say. He said, how could I do this thing and sin against, not Potiphar, but against God, right? And out of the situation, what happens? What does Potiphar's wife do? She lies. Have you ever been lied about? Someone ever falsely accused you? I mean, we could go a lot of stories with Isaiah and Brooklyn about false accusations from their parents for one or the other, right? But those might be somewhat humorous. I don't think we ever gave anybody the wrong whipping, but uh, you never know. <laughs> but in your own life, has anyone ever accused your motivation and challenged your motivation and you knew that it was different than what they were saying? If it is, you understand where Joseph's at, right? Here he has done everything he can to make Potiphar's uh, organization a success, and yet his wife is coming in with a false accusation. He's striving to handle life with integrity, and God blessed him with favor, and yet again, sometimes uh, we find ourselves in these type of situations. We need to be honest before God. Hear me out again today. This is important. It's sometimes easy to play the blame game, right? This is not really my fault. And sometimes when someone comes with, to us with an accusation, we need to take that to our heart and make sure that our motives are good. Because sometimes some of the people that are close to us, they see things that we don't always see. And sometimes they check our motivation and we need to check it out. But again, in this case, Joseph would be found true and he had integrity. And so again, in this dark world, sometimes... People will challenge your motives and accuse you of things that are not true. 
And often they will lash out because they have been hurt themselves, but that is no excuse. So again, if you've ever faced false accusations, you can understand Joseph's plight. Now, here's another thing I want to say today. Does Jesus know anything about false accusations? <laughs> Isn't it amazing that the temptations that we see in Joseph's life, Jesus faces those very same things. And as we confront them in our own life, guess who knows you, who loves you, says, I understand everything you've been through. He has been through them, hasn't he, right? Mark chapter 14, verse 55. And the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Here's the second point this morning. Even when the dark world would falsely accuse you, there is still hope. Please hear this point right here. God will vindicate his children. Ultimately, God will vindicate his own. It doesn't always happen in our time, but it does happen. And again, in the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus, we see justice does come to pass. Our memory verse in Sunday School today is every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be vindication. And in, justice, in Joseph's life, we see justice come to pass as well. So be encouraged in that. Even when people falsely accuse you, know that vindication is on the horizon. Okay, we've talked about abuse. We've talked about accusation. This third one is one of the hardest things, and that is abandonment or abandoned. In verse uh, 7 of Micah 7, it's a great verse. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. You're not abandoned. All right. You may feel that way, but you are not abandoned. Again, Joseph gets put in prison because of this situation, because of the false accusation. And again, things seem to get better. Genesis chapter 39, verse 23. You like to look there. The Bible says the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Right? Again, that's how life goes, doesn't it? Right? You're like, oh, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is how it's going to work out. This is what it's going to be. And so you guys know the rest of the story. Joseph interprets dreams for the cupbearer and the baker, and he asks to be remembered. Genesis chapter 49, verse 14. Look at what Joseph says, and here it will apply to the cupbearer, or excuse me, the cupbearer, of course. But when all goes well with you, Joseph says, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Joseph says, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. He has every reason to be upset. Again, I'm not going to re-preach everything Michael was teaching us about heathen as a choice, but we know about justifiable resentment, right? Would it be right for Joseph to be upset? Yes. If you suffered abuse, if you suffered false accusation, if you suffered abandonment, you should be upset. It hurts. Don't try to fake it. Don't try to say, well, I'll just ignore it. That's not what Jesus ever is telling us to do. We need to grieve it. We need to deal with it. But we will ultimately need to forgive. 
And that's only going to come to the help of the power of the Lord. Now, you know how the story goes, right? The cup bearer has his dream and he's got the grape juice that he's taken it back before uh, the king, the Pharaoh. The baker, the birds come and eat the bread off of his head. Right? And Joseph says to the cupbearer, in three days, you'll be serving the be serving Pharaoh again. Oh, great. Joseph says to the baker, uh, yeah, you're going to have your head taken off and your body put on a pole. But I'm sure that guy is like, oh, I hope this guy is never right. But what do we know about Joseph? Spot on, right? It's exactly what happened. So if you're the cupbearer and this guy gives you the great news and it comes to pass, Joseph said, just one thing, man, one thing, you got one job. Tell the Pharaoh that I'm in here and I shouldn't be in here. But what does the scripture say? It says he was forgotten. He is not remembered. Genesis chapter 40, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Talk about hurt. Being forgotten and being abandoned is one of the worst hurts, especially when you're forgotten by the people you have helped. That just hurts, doesn't it, right? Joseph is forgotten for how many years? <laughs> Two years. He's forgotten. Genesis 41, verse 1, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Again this morning, some things to think about. God's ways are higher, and though he uh, will bring about justice, he brings justice in his own time. And that's hard sometimes, right? Okay. But there is reason to hope. Okay, quick rehearse, quick summary here this morning. Joseph was hated by his brothers. They seriously thought about killing him. They probably would have if Reuben hadn't stepped in. They sold him into slavery. He chooses still to do the right thing regarding Potiphar, and especially regarding God. And yet, instead of being exonerated by Potiphar, he's put into prison. He helps a fellow prisoner, but that prisoner forgets him for two years. Okay. Now, we're not going to do the rest of the story so much today except for one little phrase. If you get some time this week, go to Genesis chapter 42 through 45. And I love how Joseph deals with his brothers. It's such an awesome story. He makes his brothers sweat a little, and who of us wouldn't? I might have enslaved them myself, <laughs> right? Oh, you guys, that was my chance. I'm going to really get you back. After all of this, Joseph will actually save many lives by preparing for a famine. God's word holds true. Hope is alive. Now, here's the important thing this morning. Hear me out. Again, this is good what we talked about on Wednesday nights for the last few months. Joseph didn't forgive and forget overnight. He was accused falsely. He was abandoned. He was abused. Okay. His forgiveness would be a process. And you guys, we need to share that with the people who are in our path. People that are in these kind of positions, abused, uh, falsely accused and abandoned, they need a safe place to share their hurts and their frustration. Hopefully, even this morning, as you gather in a group, you know that you're in a safe enough place that you can share if you're hurting. And maybe you're having trouble with forgiveness. People like this need time to process the hurt. I want to be honest with you. I don't think Joseph was ready to buddy up with his brothers after they threw him in the pit and sold him into slavery. I don't think he was ready to sit down to dinner with Mrs. Potiphar after she had him thrown in prison. Joseph would ultimately be able to forgive, but it may have not come immediately after the transgression. So here's what I want you to take. 
If you have been hurt like this, yet, if you have been hurt like this, you cannot stay in that hurt. You have a right to feel the hurt. You have a right to be angry. But if you stay here, your spiritual life will freeze and you will be stuck. All right? So hear me clearly today. I'm not telling you get over it right now. I'm not telling you to deny it. I'm not telling you to just say, say a prayer and it'll all be taken care of right immediately because it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always happen that way. But if you decide to live in that pain, if you decide to have a victim mentality, if you decide to stay in your whatever is comforting you through this, whether it's an addiction or some sort of coping mechanism, you're going to stay stuck. And the way out is through the Lord. There is hope. Joseph forgave his family, and he would be reconciled to them. Another attribute of Jesus this morning, he forgave those who crucified him. Even still, I, I just have a hard time with that, right? Father, forgive them for what they do. Your Savior knows that kind of temptation, that kind of pain. Again, it won't always be immediate, but we need to come to the place where we can forgive our abusers, our accusers, and those who would abandon us. How did Joseph do it? And here's how he did it. He saw things from God's perspective. He saw God's hand, and he recognized he was more accountable to God than to any man. There it is. Right. I am going to be accountable to the creator of the universe. That's who I need to please. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 4. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Look at this. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and the ruler of all Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> he was stuck in a pit, nearly killed by his brothers, falsely accused thrown into prison, forgotten, abandoned, somebody of even a different ethnic origin, and he ends up being the prince of all Egypt. Who did that? Keep your hope alive. God is at work in your life. It doesn't discount that sometimes our sins get in the way, and other people's sins get in the way, but God is at work. And even later on, you guys know the story, Jacob passes away, the brothers are scared, Joseph will get revenge. But in verse 18, the scripture says, his brothers and came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, but Joseph said in verse 19, don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? Woo. I would want to be in the place of God, but look at his perspective. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Am I in the place of God? It wasn't Joseph's place to seek revenge, was it? What a perspective that he had. 
this morning, recognize that it is not your place to bring revenge or to teach people a lesson. I don't know that I'm necessarily a revenge person, but I'm definitely a teach people a lesson person. Well, you need to learn this lesson. You did this to me, and now you're going to learn a lesson, right? My poor kids did that most of their life. Their dad did that to them. I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm right, and you're wrong, and here's how we're going to sort it out. That's not my place. Whose place is that? It's a little, right? get that perspective. Second thing, this is going to help everything. This probably should have been the first thing. Recognize who you are and recognize who God is. And that will help you through the difficult situations. Joseph saw God's purpose in his affliction. He had an incredible, incredible faith. If you've ever been hurt or even been hurt by the church, getting even won't make you better. It will only push you from the healing you need. And so you guys, I think we're doing a great job in this, but I want us to continue the work of becoming a place where people who have been hurt, terribly hurt, can find a place to grieve, to share their pain, share their frustration, but I want to be a place that helps people who are stuck in their hurt to start moving again. You guys, you guys, uh, any wonderful life Christmas movie watchers out there, right? Remember kind of the end of the movie? He's coming along the bridge and he's hollering out, right? Clarence, Clarence, I want my wife, I want my kids. And what does he say? I want to live again. And the snow starts falling, right? That's what we're talking about here today. Cry out to the Lord. If you've been in false accused, if you've been abused, if you've been abandoned, cry out to the Lord today. I want to live again. I don't want to be stuck. There is hope, and you can live again, no matter what you've been through, because of the power of God and the power of His Holy Spirit, even after abuse, even after accusation, even after abandonment. Again, quick reminder, we've all been hurt. But let's be honest, everybody in here has done some hurting too, right? Okay? Especially against our Lord. Jesus was pierced and broken because of our sin, and the hurt that we brought was upon him. And yet, through God's grace, our stripes, through his stripes, we have been healed. We have forgiveness. All right. One final illustration today, and we'll call it a day. But again, hope is a lie, all right? That's the whole point this morning. This is from Max Lucado. He says, the most sacred symbol in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, is a tree. A spalling, shade-bearing, 80-year-old American elm tree. <laughs> Tourists drive from miles around to see her. People pose for pictures beneath her. Arborists carefully protect her. She adorns posters and letterhead. Other trees grow larger. They grow fuller. They even grow greener. But not one is equally cherished. The city treasures the tree not because of her appearance but her endurance. The tree endured the Oklahoma City bombing. Timothy McVeigh parked his death-laden truck only yards from this tree. His malice killed 168 people, wounded 850, destroyed the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building, and buried the tree in rubble. No one expected it to survive. No one, in fact, gave any thought to the dusty, branch-stripped tree. But then she began to bud. Sprouts pressed through damaged bark, green leaves pushed away gray soot, life resurrected from an acre of death, and people noticed. The tree modeled the resilience the victims desired, so they gave the elm a name, 
the survivor tree. There is hope. There is hope. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There is hope. Let's stay in this moment. Again, we are all in different places this morning. I know some of you are just doing great. <laughs> the Lord is blessing you and you're encouraged and you're trying to live for him and you're just seeing so many good things in your life. And you should be encouraged and celebrate and praise the Lord in that situation. But I know that some of you may not be in that same spot, right? Maybe you're going through a trial or a hurt or a pain and you're feeling a little bit left out or you're feeling neglected or you're feeling like attacked. And so this message here is to remind you that there still is hope. So Diane's going to play a little bit for us this morning. We're going to take a little time. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, feel free to grab a friend or a buddy and come and pray if you'd like to do that or just in your pew if you need to pray there. And maybe today you know someone who's in this situation. You know someone who is stuck and they're bitter and they're still not resolved things in their life, we'd encourage you to pray for them even at this time. So let's take a little time this morning, quiet reflection. And then after that, we'll have our prayer.